Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. The book of Philippians in chapter 3. We're just going to look at two verses momentarily. Uh, we have, this is the second to last week of a series we've been doing called the Apostles' Creed. Again, it's an ancient document that is uh, years, uh, years after Christ uh, died and rose from the dead and the, the original disciples wrote the letters that we have in our New Testament. What we call church fathers, those were the, the men of the time that knew a lot and were studied and understood original languages and all that. But they began to look at doctrine and thought about it and they thought, you know what, we want to have a, a way that we can help people, especially who are being baptized in water. This is why it was written. Uh, to, to, this is like the basic thing and they would have them memorize what we're about to read in just a moment here. And they would memorize it so that they would have a basic understanding of the faith that they had in Christ. So it isn't a bad idea to think about memorizing this uh, statement. It is not scripture. The statement is not, but it's every word of it is uh, scriptural. Does that make sense? So we're going to preach from God's word in a moment, but we're using the Apostles' Creed as a launching point for these messages. And so one more time, would you stand with me? We're going to read the, well, actually, second to last time. Let's say it that way, because <laughs> next week is our last week. It's going to be very cool next week, too, uh, as we finish up. But are you ready to do it? Yeah. Let's do it. Go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the community of holy people, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And today we're focusing on this uh, phrase that is the second to the last phrase, the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of the body. Let's look at our text. If you're open to Philippians 3, verse 20, we'll read uh, 20 and 21. This is such a, uh, an amazing, power-packed little section of Scripture right here, two verses. But our citizenship, in other words, where we belong, where we, you know, uh, where we are... Uh, it's like if we're in another country, okay, if I'm in Thailand like I was in February, um, I did not lose my citizenship. And I just happen to be traveling here where I live right now in Wenatchee, but this is not my home, right? So right off the bat, we get this idea that we have a home that is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. It already is there, and we are just travelers and on this planet right now. And he goes on and he says, and we, I love this word, eagerly await a Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, here it comes, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Oh, my goodness. Do you catch what's going on right there? He's going to transform our bodies so they are like his body. Did you ever think about that before? Did you ever think about the fact of what, what was the body of Christ when he, you know, he was raised from the dead and, and he could pass through walls and he could, he could, but he could also eat still because they gave him, he, he says, you don't believe I'm real? Give me some fish to eat. I'll eat it right here in front of you. And he said, Thomas, come on, put your hand in my hands and in my side. You'll see it's me. So there's tangible, but then, but the physical world does not contain it. 
That's what we're going to be like someday. That's where we're going. We're not going to have lowly bodies anymore that, that if I walk into a wall, I'm just stopped by the wall. Jesus is not stopped by the wall. You understand what I'm saying? And so we'll have tangible bodies, but we will also have bodies that can transcend the physical realm. Wow. Okay. Mind blown for me anyway. I hope you're into that. Okay. So I want to go on and I want to, I'm going to put another scripture on the, uh, up on the screen. Actually, it's quite lengthy, but, but this is, uh, Paul, what he says there in, in a concise way in Philippians, he goes into more detail here, and I just want you to follow along and listen to this and kind of uh, digest, if you will, some of the things that are going on as Paul talks about this same subject here from 1 Corinthians 15, and it's, it's, the passage goes all the way from 35 through 57. Uh, we're going to excerpt it a little bit. You'll see what I mean. Here we go. Uh, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Down to verse 42. So it, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised, say it, imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in, say it, glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Praise God. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body in Jesus' name. And he says this. He says, like this question, or this statement kind of answers itself. He says, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So go ahead, just pinch yourself. There's a natural body. There's a spiritual body, too, waiting. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now skip into verse 50. He goes on, and he's just, you know, everything in between is still in this topic, but I just wanted to get to the meat of it. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So we can't inherit the imperishable if we're still perishable, so there has to be a transition. Then he talks about that transition, verse 51. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That's Bible talk for dead. We will not all die, but we will be changed. He says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death, I love this, death has been swallowed up by victory. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Amen. And then, almost in a, if you can almost picture God speaking now in, in a mocking tone, I really can sense that this is the way it's going. going he says, where, O oh death, is your victory? Like, you've got nothing. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? you got nothing. You, can, you know, you cannot triumph, death. You cannot triumph. Death for the, for the believer is a transition from this life to just, it's really a door. You walk from one life to the next life. And in fact, we already are spiritual beings. We already, it's just a transition is all it is. And then, if you would, uh, he says, the, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. And then he finishes with this incredible statement. Why don't you read it with me? Go. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could just go home right now. Well, we could go to the park and eat, but I got some more I want to say. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for just the truths that we've just read, that, that, that they speak for themselves. They talk about uh, the in, incredible 
world and the incredible way in which we're going to live when the time comes. And we are already beginning that transition, Lord, where we said yes to you and received you as Savior. We became alive in Christ. And so, God, thank you for the promises of an eternity. Thank you for the richness of your word that describes what is coming for us. Thank you that the body that we have will be just like the one that your son, Jesus Christ, has. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That is such a mind-blowing thought. Hallelujah. A few weeks ago, I was having some trouble um, with our wireless microphone. And, uh, and what was happening was, is I was getting, as I was talking, I'd hear it. Maybe you didn't notice, but uh, I'd, I'd just hear a little dropout. I'd hear it go, and, and the sound would go out. And so I'd, I'd keep talking, and you'd hear me acoustically, but it wouldn't go through the loudspeakers. And it, it was very brief, and it didn't really bother the recording too much because you just you realize, oh, it dropped out, but then it came right back immediately. But it was just bothering me. And so I called our supplier that uh, supplies all of our stuff because they're very knowledgeable. And I, I talked to a guy who really knows a lot about wireless systems and all that. And so I said, well, what do you think's going on? He says, he walked me through some of the possible reasons. Now, here's the thing with wireless, anything wireless, including cell phones. In fact, our grandson was wondering why we couldn't show him a YouTube video on the top of Blue at Pass. And we're trying to say, well, you know, the, the reason is because we don't have line of sight to a cell tower. And we were trying, he, he was like, he doesn't understand. In his world, Cell phones always work everywhere, right? And, 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 but we have to understand, if there's not a, some sort of a line of sight to a tower, wireless, anything like that, any radio waves are not going to get to you. So uh, there has to be uh, that. So, so true with uh, wireless microphones as well. The wireless mics that we use have a very small range. You can't get too far away from them because they don't want to interfere with stuff in other, you know, other households and neighborhoods. There's FCC warnings and all that on this. So they have a limited range. So I thought, well, maybe we need to move the the receiver closer to the transmitter. The transmitter is on my side right here. See there? And so, so we've talked about that. He says, well, make sure there's a good line of sight. I said, well, there is, but it's behind a wall. He said, well, put it, put it so it's, it's, there's nothing between you but air. I said, great. So that was easy. We did that. And then he's talked about how the antennas should be affixed. And he goes on and on and on. And he, he's telling all me this. And then finally, he asked this question. I thought it was a really weird question. He said, so where do you wear the transmitter? And uh, I said, excuse me? He says, where do you wear your transmitter? He says, because, because uh, if you're wearing it on your back, if it's behind you, he says, what you've got to understand is our bodies are just big bags of salt water. I thought that was a bit rude myself. I thought, you don't even know me. I don't think that's, you know, speak for yourself, dude, right? I know, I know I put on a few pounds, but I'm just being described as a big bag of salt water did not set well with me, you know what I'm saying? I've been on a diet for two weeks. All I've lost is 14 days. You know what I'm saying, right? So I, so I try to avoid things that make me look fat, like mirrors, scales, and photographs. You know, just, just avoid them. But the other day, I burned 1,000 calories in a half an hour. I forgot that the pizza was in the oven. Boo. Okay. But see, that's the, this is the problem for me with food, if I'm just going to be real about this, is, is it tastes so good. If it didn't taste good, see, I'm old enough to remember when food didn't taste that great. Like, I know you young people, you're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, food used to be kind of 
Compared to today, I mean, there's so many new kinds of spices and things. I know they've always been available, but, but ordinary people just lived, you know, uh, we, we didn't have much exciting going on back in the 60s. Uh, you know, the hippies were taking over, and it, it was just a mess. But so, so I, you know, it didn't, it's no wonder when I got married, <laughs> you should see my, well, you've probably seen the photos on, I've shown them a bit, but I only weighed 135 pounds when I married Rhonda. It's her fault. She fattened me up. I'm going to blame her. 37 years of eating her good cooking. But you can't get away from it at all. I mean, just this idea that um, you turn on the TV, and I don't know about yours, but my TV somehow always lands on the Food Network. I, I, you know, as soon as it comes on, there they are fixing food all the time. And it's like, and, you, and I have a, big, a pretty big TV. It's an HD TV. It's 60-inch, and, and you can mock me if you want, but I only sit about three feet from it. <laughs> and I want the... <laughs> I just do. I, I like it really close. Part of it has to do with my eyesight because I, if I go further back in the room, I have to wear glasses. I don't want to wear glasses, so I sit really close, and Rhonda mocks me. But I, I like when I watch a movie to feel like I'm in a theater, so I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. So, so here I have this HDTV. They're showing delicious food. I'm thinking, man, it smells good. I, well, it doesn't smell good, but I, it almost smells good because it's so good looking. And then uh, it just amazes me. I begin to salivate, and I think about the good food. And so, so you know, the other day I was watching an episode of uh, Guy Fieri doing his uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. You ever seen that before? Yeah. Good, good show. I love that. That's fun. So he goes to Palm Springs to a, a place that serves vegan uh, chili dogs, vegan chili dogs. And everybody, listen, everybody in the restaurant that he interviewed was bragging about how much those vegan chili dogs tasted like meat. They tasted like the real thing. And, and, and I thought, that's funny that vegans and vegetarians, if you are, please, I'm not trying to offend you, but they're always trying to make their food taste like meat. But you never see us carnivores sitting around with some beef or pork or chicken and saying, mm, this tastes just like a salad. It's so good. <laughs> you know, Right? So, so anyway, no offense to anybody. You know, I, I respect you if you're able to not eat uh, all the good food and just have that grass feet. <laughs> but our topic today is the resurrection of the body. And, and I don't know about you, but I take a lot of comfort in the fact as I think about trading in the old model for something much better and that's going to run a lot smoother, if you, if you get what I'm saying, especially the older I get. And there's coming a day when I get to exchange my bag of salt water for something far more glorious and far more amazing. According to our text that we read, it will be a glorious body. It will be an imperishable body. It will be a powerful body, and it will be an immortal body. And as I said a moment ago, the mind-blown thing of it all is we're going to have a body that will be just like Jesus Christ's body for all eternity. The same kind of body that he's in now is the same kind of body we're going to have. This is the hope that we have in the idea of the resurrection of these bodies that we have. Now, if you're a believer and you were to pass away, to go uh, and you pass away, your body dies, and immediately at that moment, as I said, there's a transition that takes place. Your soul immediately goes into the presence of the Lord. Paul said it this way, to be absent or away from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So in the moment that you pass from this life, you will immediately be in God's presence. But the body that we've ha had all our lives will remain here on earth. 
And so we have to wait. And so you say, well, how, how is it with us and the Lord? Well, I, I don't know how we appear to God and all that. I don't understand it all. I, I could sit there and really go on a big tangent now about time and, and some theories I have about all this. But suffice to say that you are present with the Lord, but there is still something that's going to happen later where you're going to be in your resurrection body. So you'll, you'll be in some form before the Lord now, but when the second coming takes place, that's when the graves will be open and we'll receive our, our, our new bodies at that point. So there, if, if we want to look at it from an earthly perspective, there's a gap of time between those two things. But I think from God's perspective, since there is no time, it's all happening simultaneously. So not to worry. You're not going to be like a ghost flitting around in heaven. or You know what I'm saying? So don't worry about stuff like that. That's not my point in presenting it this way. But there is a separate time from an earthly perspective when our bodies uh, are resurrected. And, uh, you know, so one, one of the duties of a pastor generally has been to preside over uh, any kind of memorials or funerals. And once in a while, we're also asked to do graveside service, services. And, and uh, so this is a, a service that you do where the casket, if, it's, if someone's being buried, the casket will be out of the ground and, and above the ground. And, you, and, and so the, if, if you ever become a pastor, just ask the funeral guys what to do, and they'll tell you where to stand and what to do. So I always just ask questions, and I, you know, I need help. So one of the first graveside services I did, the, the director came over to me. He says, now, uh, just to let you know that the head of the casket will be here, and you should stand by the head when you, when you talk. And I said, okay, thank you for showing me that, you know, what to do. I would hate to do the wrong thing. And, he said, and then he went on to explain uh, the orientation of caskets. I never knew this before. But he said that when caskets are put in the ground, that the, um, the head is always at the, uh, on the west end, uh, and the casket is always oriented east to west, and that the, uh, the feet are always pointed toward the east. And he said the reason is because, you know, in the Scripture it talks about how Jesus, when he comes, he'll come like lightning comes from the east. And so people were taking that literally and thinking, well, when Jesus comes, he's going to come from the east. I, I don't think this is necessarily scriptural. I'm just telling you the tradition. So he, he'll come from the east. And the idea was, was that if you're going to raise from the dead, you'd want to wake up and see the Lord right off the bat, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I think that's all just kind of like somebody's, put some stuff in their heads, but, but that's what they do, and, that, and that's generally what happens. Now you say, well, you might be aware that of a different orientation. I also found out that if the casket is going downhill, they don't ever put the head downhill, they always put the head uphill, so over in East Wenatchee, all of them are facing the wrong way, because the whole hill goes down to the river this way. So, so that just dispelled the whole thing. I mean, it's, so it's sort of like, well, it's a good idea, but it's not a hard and fast rule, I guess, so... Um, and uh, not that all that matters, but, there's, but I do think there's something to the fact that people are thinking through, what is the resurrection going to be like? What is the resurrection of uh, when Christ comes back and, and, and the second, uh, second coming of Christ, when that all happens, what is this all going to be about? Now, again, I'm sure that all that I just mentioned is just tradition, and it really doesn't matter how your body is oriented. It doesn't matter if your body is, or a body is completely consumed in a fire, or you fall overboard and get eaten by a shark. I mean, it's shark week, right? Is that right? Was it, or was that last week? Yes? Shark week? Okay. And, and boy, that just took a dark turn right there, talking about, <laughs> but, but, so I, I don't understand it all to be sure, but what we do know is that when Christ rose from the dead, that there was, you remember that the stone was rolled away and there was no physical body there anymore. So there was something about his body 
that was there got transformed into something else, a spiritual body that can now do all the things that he did. So there's something going on with all of that. And, and not only that, but the book of John or Matthew tells us that, that when Jesus rose from the dead, that, that it says that other, many other graves opened up in Jerusalem. I think this is sort of like a spillover of power. The power of his resurrection was so great, it just kind of went boom into a radius, who knows how big. But they said there were many people, many people that had been dead that were now alive and walking around Jerusalem. Okay? So something happened, and it's, but it literally says their graves opened. So you could look into a grave where your loved one used to be, and that grave now was empty, and the body that was in there is now out. And so there's something going on with all that, the power of the resurrection. And so I don't know, I don't get it all, I don't understand all of the intricacies of what, what's going on, and, and I don't think, like I say, I don't think God needs, like, like, a, like if a body was consumed in a fire or something happened, uh, don't, not to worry that a, a body isn't there. Given long enough, all of it just turns into dirt anyway, Right? Okay, so not to worry about like, oh, let's keep it in good shape so that when it comes out, it'd be, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. And in fact, is if God needs any raw materials to rebuild us from earthly materials, if he's taking earthly materials in turn, then he can find those materials wherever they ended up. All right? No, that's true. There's actually a law in science called the law of conservation of mass. In simple terms, um, this is like saying that all the atoms that were ever created still exist in the universe. All the atoms that, that a, loved, you know, a loved one or someone who died many years ago uh, had, even though it they, they was many, many years ago, those atoms still exist somewhere in, in the world or in the universe. They're still there. They're not, they, don't, they, they may change. Even when you burn wood in a fire, the atoms change into uh, oxygen atoms and carbon dioxide atoms and, and other kinds of things and then some solids from the ash, but there's still, all those atoms still exist that used to make up the wood. They, they, they just changed into something else, but they still exist. This is important. So, so they all still exist and they may be in a different form though. And in ancient Greece, Greek philosophy, there was an understanding that nothing comes from nothing. Right? Nothing comes from nothing. So, in their thinking, what, what exists, this is the way they would say it is, that what exists now has always existed. No matter can come into existence where there was none before. But what they're not taking into account, these Greeks, these philosophers, they were trying to think these things through, and they understood something about matter and science, but what they did not understand and take into account was the fact that God, by his own voice, can speak all of everything into, cre- into creation that didn't exist before. God can make matter, and only God can make matter, but once he makes it, right? Only God could destroy that matter and obliterate it. Otherwise, it always still exists. I know this is getting kind of weird, but hang in there with me for a moment. So, so God could and he will recreate anything he wants, but he can, always, uh, he can always make brand new bodies out of us if he wants to, out of atoms that never existed before. Or he could take the atoms that still exist out there somewhere and end up recreating us. I don't know how it connects between the natural and the supernatural, but I do know there's something to this idea that graves opened up, that the body of Christ wasn't there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? It, says, it even says in one place that the sea gave up the dead that were in it. 
right? Think about this. So, so people that had died at sea or were buried at sea, eventually there's something about the sea giving up those dead that were in it. So there's, there, it's a lot to think about, I know, and, uh, but I'll get off of that for just a second here. But the Bible says that these, these earthly bodies are made of dust, and to dust they're going to return. And although that may seem a bit fatalistic when we hear it, we need to understand that we want these lowly bodies that we have to be transformed and from the temporary into the eternal. Paul explains it this way. He's got another way of saying it. I like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, for we know, this is uh, the first four verses. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that word, those words earthly tent, he's speaking about our bodies right there. You can tell from the context. He says, if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Are you catching the transition now? We're moving from an earthly lowly body to a house or a dwelling built by God, from a tent to a building, okay? <laughs> something that's temporary to something that's eternal. And he says, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. There's something about being a human being that you just long for the day when you get to shed this earth suit and take on the new form that God has for you. And he says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Hallelujah. Swallowed up by life. I love that. And, and so again, there's this contrast between a tent and in a building, a temporary and a heavenly dwelling. So we live in the mortal now, but there will come a day where life will overtake it and swallow up death, and we will live forever. Romans 8.11 says that the Spirit will give life to our mortal bodies, and though there is a, a future ramification of that, there is also a present ramification of that when we pray for healing i believe that god will give life to our mortal bodies in this life amen amen so so the question remains how can we be assured that we will be a part of the future in which when we die our lowly bodies will be transformed into bodies just like the eternal body of jesus christ romans 6 5 says it this way says here's here's how the answer to that question for if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You say, well, wait, wait, wait. What does that mean if we are united with him in a death like his? When, wait, when did we die with Jesus? We died with Jesus when we laid down our lives and submitted those lives to his lordship. And this is exactly what water baptism is signifying in a visible way. When we're going to baptize people today, it is physically showing a spiritual truth that we, got, we died, we were buried, and then we were raised to new life. And that's what God is doing already in us. So this, this is not a, uh, this, we're beginning to see the first fruits of that already as we go through this. And so we... we we will have a resurrection like his. It says we will certainly have a resurrection. We'll be united with him in a resurrection like his. And there's even, if you will, a daily aspect to this, that if we offer our, that the Bible says to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Do you remember that from Romans 12, 1 and 2? Offer our bodies like living sacrifices and take up our cross daily. 
The primary reason that Jesus came to this world was to save us from our sins. And he does this by, this is what he did. He willingly laid down, this is so important, he laid down his own life so that we could have eternal life. How do we get eternal life? We lay down our lives so that we can have eternal life. And we become united with him in that. Worship team, come on back up. So let's say that I have this box, and I do. And let me say that to you, let me say that this box has a million dollars in it. And it's free for anybody that wants it. Okay? Free? Million dollars? You'll take it? Yeah. Michelle's in. Anybody else? Will take it? Those who don't raise their hands are lying right now. That's a sin, so stop it. You're saying, well, it obviously doesn't have a million because of the way you're handling it. But, but bear with me a minute. Just think this through. Come on. It's an illustration. So yeah, it could be a check. You're right. Let's say half the people in this room believed me, and I had, I had a box for everyone who did believe me, and I just... Everybody that came, I just gave them another box. Here's a box. Here's a box. You just walk out with a million dollars. Those who didn't believe would be like, man, I missed out. What if I said the box has $20 in it? Would anybody believe me? Yes, come on. Okay. Well, there's $20 in that box if you want it. Maddie, get it. Oh. That wasn't a plant. She just wants to, well, are you going to open it or do you just take my word for it? It's my so the, Don't break it. the people who believe the message of the gift are the ones who receive the gift. Tracking with me? Those who don't believe the message don't receive the gift. Let's see if Michelle received the gift. Come on. And you're thinking, why didn't I just run up there and go grab that box? I guess if, if you believe the message, you would come and receive the box, right? Does that make sense? So, so here's the thing. Jesus came and he brought salvation. It's a gift. The Bible says there's a gift of salvation for us. And by the way, there is enough supply for every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever lived or ever will live on this planet. There is enough salvation. It will never run out. There's no, no end to it. And it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. In fact, you cannot do anything to earn or deserve that box from God. You just can't. You, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It simply says you must believe certain things. You have to believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, you must believe he's alive. Why is that important to believe that he's alive? Well, if, if he's dead, he's of no use to you. So Right? So, so believing in his death, burial, and resurrection is super important. And we also, there's another part to this, which is acknowledging and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. These aren't works. These are just things that you believe and things that you say as a result of what you believe. So you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, meaning you can take over my life. And that's how you receive salvation. So salvation is free, but it's not automatic. Not everybody gets saved. Salvation is free, but it will mean dying to your old life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will, it will cost you 
But this is a good cost. It will cost you the earthly tent that you have right now. You're going to take this earthly tent and lay it down as a living sacrifice before God. Say, God, I'm not in control of this earthly tent anymore. You are. And now I'm on my transition path to trading this earthly tent for an eternal dwelling, eternal building of God. So salvation is free, but it will mean dying to your old life. You may have heard this story before, and I'll finish with this. There was a young woman who was diagnosed with a terminal illness. She had probably five, six months to live. And, and so somewhere in that span of time, she asked her pastor to come to her house and visit with her and talk through her end-of-life wishes. And, and so she said, here's, what, here's the songs I want sung at my service. Here's the scriptures I want to be uh, discussed and read. And, and just talked about even what outfit she wanted to be buried in. Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when suddenly the woman remembered one more thing. And she said, there's one more thing. This is really important. She said, when I get buried, I want there to be a fork in my hand. The pastor was like, what? Why would you want a fork in your hand? And he asked. He said, why do you want to be buried with a fork in your hand? And, 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 and he said, I'm puzzled by that. She said, well, here's the thing. My grandmother once told me in the years of attending church potlucks and different meals where we got together and all that stuff, in all those years, I can always remember when we finished all the main courses and we were thinking it was all over, and my grandmother would turn to me and say, keep your fork. She said, when I heard that, I knew something great was coming. I know something better was coming. Some kind of thick, luscious chocolate cake, some deep dish apple pie, but something great was still coming. Something with substance. So I want, and this is what she told the pastor, I want people to see me in that casket with a fork in my hand. And I want, I want them to wonder what's with the fork. Then I want you to tell them, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Trust me, church, the best is yet to come for all of us. Imagine a body with no more pain, no more exhaustion, no more disease or sickness. Can you think about that? Imagine no more hunger, no more limitations, no more lack. Imagine living without fear, anxiety, or worry. Fill in your own blanks for whatever's bothering you, but it all goes away. And I'll tell you, there are enjoyable things about this life, for sure. Everybody gets that, right? This, this life, you know. But, man, oh man, we, we get to take the enjoyable things with us, and we keep none of the bad stuff when we go. Does that sound like a plan? Are you in? Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.